Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. I'm Laura Gregg, and I'm here today missing my favorite colleague and co-host, David Partain, who is ill, but he will be back with us again on the next episode. And today, we're going to be focusing on next-generation investors, why financial advisors should care about them, and how best to reach, serve, and retain them. And to help us with this topic, we are thrilled to be speaking with Ryan George, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of DocuPace. DocuPace is a technology company built for the wealth management industry that helps eliminate paperwork while also increasing efficiency, productivity, and ultimately helping to drive your profits. Ryan's work has been recognized by many, and he was named as one of the top 100 marketing executives of 2022. He is a Think Advisor Luminaries Class of 2022 finalist, an active member of the Forbes Communication Council, the CMO Club, the Financial Services Institute, and the Association for Accounting Marketing. Ryan, we are so excited to have you with us on the Flexible Advisor today. Thank you so very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So I've been really looking forward to this conversation, um, Ryan, but before we jump in, I would love to first um, share with our listeners a little bit more about you and your work at DocuPace. And I'm hoping you'll tell us a little bit about DocuPace and your role within the firm. And that'll be a great segue into the conversation we're going to have today. Sure. So I'm a, I've been in financial services my entire career. So I started off uh, in the mutual fund space way back in the early 2000s, um, working with a, a firm out of San Antonio called the U.S. Global Investors that's focused on natural resources and emerging markets and uh, junior minor and gold funds. So I spent uh, just under 10 years there working, you know, started off as a rep answering phones. You know, the, the dean goes off and you get a question that comes your way and you got to be ready to answer it. That's where I got my licenses, you know, sort of started off in the business, then moved on to, to working in PR there. Then I spent the next, uh, I, I got married and moved to Dallas. I spent the next 10 years of my career at a broker dealer, a CPA focused broker dealer called uh, First Global um, that was eventually sold to uh, Blue Cora, which is the co owners of uh, HD Vest back in 2019. Uh, and I've been with DocuPace for about three years. So again, I've been, spent, spent my entire life in the space. Um, it's been an exciting time to be in financial services, but so much change has happened within that, you know, since 2004. Um, but it's been exciting. Um, at DocuBase, we are a docu. It's a platform that helps automate business um, by removing paperwork, removing extra steps, removing the uh, data entry. We work with both broker dealers, RIAs, uh, specific financial advisors, uh, even some asset managers and banks, uh, in order to sort of take steps out of the account opening, account maintenance, and workflow process to make sure that the businesses are, you know, everything is approved in good order with less, the least amount of friction, and they can move fast uh, and get to the next step as smoothly as possible. So, Ryan, as you know, 
David and I um, conduct investor advisor research for FlexShares. So we're always thrilled when we get to speak with somebody else about research work that they're conducting. And especially what we're going to talk about today, um, your research as it relates to younger investors and clients. Now, you know, there's been always a disconnect in how advisory firms serve their clients typically. Uh, and we understand why most folk put the focus on older clients and those with a lot of assets, which makes sense, right? And generally not much effort is ever made to attract younger people. And it's kind of an odd thing, right? We're here to help people. And if only we would help those younger people early on, they might have the opportunity to sidestep some bad financial decisions and actually grow their assets more quickly and effectively. But advisors, you know, as we all do, need to be smart about where they invest their time. And typically, there's more revenue opportunities with older folks nearing or in retirement, not necessarily so much with those clients' children or grandchildren. But your research gives us some insights into ways we can more efficiently focus on younger investors, help them out, and hopefully help them grow their assets. So uh, I'm really excited to hear more about this. Yeah, I am too. You know, I think, you know, sometimes people ask, well, how much money being in this business, and I'm sure you've got this question before, you know, how much money do I need to have in order to have an advisor? Um, and the answer is anywhere from anywhere upwards from zero, um, even including zero. Um, you know, anybody who can, it's a matter of, whether that you know you find the right financial advisor to work with, um, and also that the financial advisor has the right model to serve that type of client, you can give them the type of advice they need. Because if you have a full white glove service, somebody with low assets, um, you're going to be upside down uh, relatively quickly and not get yourself very far. I, you know, I was one of those people. I for for you know years and years and years thought I just didn't have enough money to work with an advisor. I was trying to reach that magic number of 250000 or 500000 And I think it's just such a disservice that we do to young people through the, those super high minimums. Yes. Yes. And I think we're, we're working fit as a business. I think regulations have, have changed the landscape some, um, but also I think technology, which we'll talk about, um, has really helped change the landscape there as well. Yeah. So, you know, in order to build a relationship with clients that will stand the test of time, advisors really need to be able to take the time or to understand who the clients are that they're serving. And in fact, you know, when we when we were doing our prep call, I, I told you about the the whole program that we've built around understanding the unique personas that uh, most every advisor has within their client base. But I'd love to kind of dig into some of the characteristics of the younger investors that you found through your research. You know, what is it that they really care about? Where, you know, if they're getting advice, where are they getting it? Is it you know, coming from financial professionals, or is it more likely to come from TikTok and YouTube or friends and family? Well, the unfortunate thing is that actually quite a bit of people are getting sort of financial advice from TikTok and other social media things. Now, the the caveat there is this is not necessarily coming from financial advice. So it's not that's it's not the type of investment advice that we would typically think of. They're getting, um, you know, there's the whole. Um, you know, fire, uh, you know, financial independent retire early movement that's happened 
um, that's got caught on with social media for the past decade or so. Um, but I think there's really what you're finding is that that generation is really finding looking to, you know, it started with pandemic, it started with people putting more money, um, you know, as discretionary spending came down, people started finding ways to put that money and they put that money to work and they found investments. And I think it's caught hold within Gen Z and other younger generations is that they have cash to spend and instead of spending it, they're actually spending it on investments. So you saw this big spike in accounts. Um, you know, they're making up even the young generations are 15% of total, total stock market investors, which I think would probably surprise a lot of people considering, you know, they're almost one fifth of every investor. Um, millennials account for you know, 13 million households. They have almost 2 trillion in assets. You know, these are millennials that people still think are young in age, but, you know, I actually fall into millennial camp and, you know, I turned 40 last year. So these people are people with, you know, professional degrees, professional jobs, professional careers, um, that are in, you know, the up and coming, maybe in the the, the high earning, not yet wealthy camp of investors. Um, they also, you know, are specifically looking for wealth management clients and wealth management guidance. And I think the reason for that is the market is very obscure um, and clouded. Um, if you take of some of the things that are happening right now in the economy, I think that's actually steering people towards more sound advice because they're looking for an expert. And I think it's a beneficial for an advisor to step into that. So, uh, yeah, and there, and you know what, and I, I don't want to like uh, suggest that all the stuff you see online is bad stuff. I follow a number of advisors sure. on Twitter and LinkedIn. In fact, I, I saw a gentleman last night talking about the, um, the resumption of, you know, student loan payments <laughs> and what that means and what people can expect. And I sent it to my, uh, my Gen Z student loan holders, but do you think that the client experience that these younger investors are seeking uh, is different from, say, a Gen X investor or younger baby boomers? You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure I'm categorized as an older investor. And with that, you know, I kind of get annoyed because the assumption is that I'd rather just stay away from tech. But, you know, I'm a tech savvy person and I want to actually conduct as much business as I can especially from a mobile application. How much it, it, difference do you think there really is between those generations? You know, I think that's an interesting question because I think it's, um, I think the challenge that people have here um, is the human tendency to paint with a broad brush. Um, and I think, so let's try to not do that here. Let's try to sort of dive in a little bit more. I think in general, you are, the younger generation is going to be a bit more tech savvy, but I'm of the notion that older generations are, you know, somewhat level in terms of tech savvy as well. Like we all, we all, all consumers are becoming to the point where technology has been a part of our lives for so long that we all could be relatively considered, you know, quote unquote tech savvy. What I think is important is it's tech driven human support. And what I mean by that is tech driven human supported is technology is sort of the basis for which uh, the engagement with a financial advisor comes. Think of client account access or client dashboards or the things that a client may want to check in on that every day but they don't necessarily want to do anything with it. They just like to check to see, you know, to check to see what's happening. The human supported part is when they're actually looking to make a move or looking to actually talk something out or talk, talk through an investment. That's where, um, that's where the difference is. And actually you know, a research study, um, a third party research study showed that you know, four, four in 10 said that technology used to manage their finances are during the pandemic ever before. And I think that's really carried forward through today. Uh, but they still want, you know, when it comes to a question or comes to a point where they're looking to make a decision, they're looking for human advice to help drive that decision. So it's it's um, it's finding that balance between, you know, what's good for advice 
and what's good for sort of giving connectivity or access. And I think so separating those two in the process is important because I think those are um, like a mobile app provides access to your funds. And you can actually do some trading, but it's not necessarily looking for you're not looking for the app to give you advice. That's just access. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's very helpful. But l- l- so let's dig in to more specific applications. So you, you talked about the, the use of dashboards versus conversations. How can advisors understand when their clients need to talk with them versus just, you know, to serve up the data? And and what types of easy to implement technology is um, a company, say like DocuPace, offering that you think will be really instrumental in helping advisors serve these younger advisors without taking up too much of their time, but being there, uh, meeting them where they are when they need them? Sure. I mean, to answer the second and third question, first of all, I'll come back to the first question. So the second and third question. So, you know, DocuBase does a couple of things. So we own a company called Precise FP, which helps gather information. So a typical financial plan needs a large number of inputs, a large number of um, information in order to, you know, really generate that financial plan to follow. Uh, Precise FP helps the gathering process of that cut down, you know, 40% or so of the time it takes for a financial advisor to create, you know, gather that information by making it more even keel between the first party information provided by the client and then other information gathered by the advisor. So that's one way. It's all digital, all done through, you know, digital engagement uh, securely, which makes that process quick. The other part is once the, you know, the advice is given and the the two have had the conversation. um, So, there's a step there, but that helps the advisor then move into the appropriate paperwork, get that batch together, you know, which could be anywhere from two to 20 to 30 pages of paperwork, depending on exactly, you know, the type of account and where it's going to be held and get that sent over electronically to the prospective client to get that signed electronically and, and, and over to the custodian so the account can be open. So that back end is what DocuBase does, uh, help gets that most. And then once that, that account is open, and then stores the paperwork in the appropriate household in the client folder so that the, the paperwork is available at any time and it can be referenced. So that's one thing that the document does. I think to answer your question regarding when do they know, I think finding ways to easily engage. So now you're finding a lot of advisors texting with clients. There's some compliance hurdles that we need to make sure we're aware of when doing so, making sure that you know, you're doing it in an appropriate way and that it's being archived as appropriately as need to be. But I think just simple check-ins you know, you can find out if your clients like, um, for instance, if you have a client portal or a uh, client dashboard, checking on the even frequency of if somebody never checks their dashboard, but has checked their dashboard like five or six times this week, maybe it's time for the advisor to practically reach out and have a conversation. And monitoring things like that, I think can be uh, useful for an advisor to take the, what's the, the information that technology is providing him and be able to step in with service, you know, on a proactive basis. And I'm assuming like you you could set up rules or whatever to ping you if, you know, Laura Gregg has uh, looked at the dashboard, you know, five times today, three times yesterday, so that yes. you, you could identify when it is time to reach out. Yes. And, you know, DocuBase, we don't provide a dashboard uh, directly. We integrate with a lot of them. Blueleaf is one company that we integrate with um, that does have good dashboards like that, that have alerting systems. Also, the CRM, you know, really fully driving the CRM, I think, and all that information that lies in there and what uh, what the client's looking for. I think you can help categorize your clients as some that are you know, talking about personas, some that are the nervous Nancy's or some that are the 
you know, aggressive Alex's. I'm just throwing out random names that run together. Um, um, but I think, you know, knowing the type of clients that you serve, um, there's also ability to, you know, the other, I would say, passive technology, say, for instance, if you're follow them on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn and seeing um, what they may post, like if their company has had a poor earnings report or something like that, it also is a trigger to then reach out and see what if their support can be provided. Great. Um, and then just one other question that just popped in my head in that client portal where DocuPace uh, provides it and you're gathering, you know, all the paperwork, is it available for other paperwork? So like wills and trust documents or, uh, you know, list of, uh, you know, um, yes. passwords or, you know, whatever it may be, but, but specific to that client that may not be in, you know, the normal checklist. Yes, it can be the hub for all um, documentation um, and paperwork that the client has. One of the benefits that DocuBase has is we integrate with most of the, if not all of the major CRMs, um, as well as financial planning tools. So any type of any documentation that's connected with either one of those, as well as other things like estate planning paperwork, even trust documents, or even health power of attorney documents can be stored there uh, safely and securely uh, and that the client, client and the advisor knows that they have a single place uh, to locate them if needed. Yeah, I think that's so important. Um, so so let's switch gears a little bit and um, let's talk about your recently released white paper, which I believe the title was Five Ways to Capitalize on the Changing Attitudes of American Investors. Mm -hmm. um, would you share some of the, the biggest takeaways with our listeners and especially as it relates to how investors or clients are viewing technology? Sure, sure. I think, well, one thing that I think comes up some, and I think sometimes it's presented with negative connotation, but I actually think it's a pretty positive um, opportunity for advisors. And that is the idea of wealth being sort of a tool, not a luxury. And what I mean by wealth being a tool, not a luxury is a lot of people who are making and saving money today, they want to save their, for their kids' college. They want to save for retirement. But they also want to somewhat enjoy their money now, and they want to do so in an effective way that doesn't totally disrupt their financial plan. And I think that that's a way for an advisor to step in and help guide them. Like, when is the time to make a appropriate time to make a home or take that vacation? Um, you know, one of the smartest things my financial advisor ever told me is, "It's time for you guys to take in a vacation," which we did. Um, and the reason that was great for that was that it, we we had earned it, we had saved the money, and spent and. You know, if we hadn't enjoyed the money today, um, we maybe would be less interested in the long-term strategy of of saving our money and staying sound with financial. So I think that's that's something that's different. It's not all about you know reaching that key date of you know, of sixty five and turning over. Um, so that's one part. I think the other part is um, the piece about sort of trust and risk and risk averseness. I think you've got a a younger generation now who um, say if you're twenty five years old. Um, you early in stage in your lifetime, you had 9-11 happen and the markets being rocked. This was relatively quickly followed by the you know, 2008-2009 financial crisis. Um, and then you've had sort of disruption from there. So I think um, there's an expectation of bumpiness within the markets, which has made them risk averse. So having that risk averse conversation, I think, is something that advisors can really benefit from. And then the third one, I think, um, that you're really finding now, and it's a big adjustment as public you know, options of, excuse me, when I say options, I mean public available investments uh, come come into play as a reduction in larger uh, increase in private investment is, you know, they're also, younger investors are also open to different types of investments and different types of structures, whether it's direct indexed, 
um, you know, ETFs or, you know, what it could be, um, you know, even uh, insurance products that are different. And so being able to sort of think holistically and breaking out of the general category of what may be investing, I think that's where technology comes in from the advisor standpoint to help provide access to those and have it fit into the entire portfolio. So, you know, that is really interesting, Ryan. And, and I love the idea of how people are thinking about more than just hitting the magic number when they turn 65, but how to use uh, their, their financial planning and their experience to help them live an enjoyable life and invest and, and hopefully do so without, without guilt taking that vacation that, that you and your wife did and earned. Um, you know, we, we know that so many investors see technology as an integral part of the investment experience and you talked about that. Um, and we also know that technology helps advisors be more efficient. But again, like I kind of want to go back to that. How do we balance the tech with the human interaction um, and with our desires for digital and human advice? Yeah, so I think there's, you know, breaking it down by different types of, again, no one investor is the same, but sort of think in generality. So let's let's talk about stuff that technology does best. So one of them would be, you know, creating a financial plan is often there's tons and tons of financial plan uh, financial planning tools like Right Capital, Leave Money, Money Guide Pro, Asset Map, um, Riskalyze. Even there's just tons of great financial planning tools out there that clients and advisors know. Generally, you know, they can lean on technology here. Another one would be a portfolio, creating a, an investment portfolio and trading. That's often, you know, done well by technology. Um, it can, you know, lean on technology. On the other side, I think, you know, specific to the advice, uh, specific to the customer service on very specific questions of my wife is, you know, um, con stricken with cancer. You know, how does that impact us? That is not somewhere where technology probably av- offers the best opinion or the best guidance. Um, or, you know, for instance, if I'm nervous about what's going on with uh, in Washington today. You know that's not it's not somewhere that technology can help, and I think that that's um, that's that that's somewhere where the human can step in. What's interesting with tools like ChatGPT is that are available today is advisors can actually test run how to respond to different uh, types of questions and sort of gain sentiment as far as whether they think that's the right answer or not. So they can sort of pre-skip questions for the debt ceiling debate or pre-skip questions for other things that they may feel like we're going to receive from the clients. And they can use you can use tools like ChatGPT, where it's it's in the background helping provide guidance and context. But it's the human, um, the one that has the relationship with the client, that is the one out front delivering that advice. And I think that that's a key to remember. It's it's the two together um, that offer the biggest uplift. Yeah, I know. I mean, of course, there's so much buzz around ChatGPT, and some firms are able to utilize it. Others are are being banned, and you know, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Changing, changing markets, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, our conversation uh, has flown by, and we've covered a lot of ground uh, in discussion about younger investors and the opportunity that they really do present for advisors today. Before we close. I'm wondering if you could share some practical advice for advisors that that really do want to service younger advisors and you know still make money while they're doing it. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things that are in front of us that I think are important. The first is we have heard for years now, if you've been in this business for you know any amount of time, you've heard about this wealth transfer. I think really looking for um, create a, a 
an engagement model for your current client base and for a future client base to where an advisor can really advise on that wealth transfer. That's a place where the advisor can actually get paid relatively well. It could be large, but they can. it's an opportunity to make a strong inroad with the next generation of the clients that are also comes from your current clients. So I think that's one area. Uh, the second area that I think is really important is to be true and be honest and be serious about trying to build out um, engagement for more women in the business, whether it's not necessarily just hiring women advisors, but you know, for women as the breadwinner in the household, what does an engagement model look there that may be different that you don't have today? For women that may be a single mother who's who's driving, you know, who has a decent amount of income, you know, how can you engage with that person as well? Um, and I think that that's something that I still think the business is behind on, um, and I would love to see them. I would love to see the, our industry sort of get in front of, um, you know, that you know, with mo- majority of women in college, majority of women in professional roles today. We are already behind as an industry in, in adjusting to that market. We need to adjust to that market more. And then the third one would be um, just looking for ways to sort of um, to engage a younger group in terms of providing education. Um, that's where I think social media and other electronic tools come in is, you know, positioning yourself when it's not giving direct advice, but giving general education that's relevant to a younger group. I think you, they can start seeing you and following you or in, as an influential person who has information to share. Then when the, the time comes that they have an opportunity to have money, um, that they would then, you know, chances are better that they would come to you, um, you know, within that space. So, Ryan, and we didn't even have this planned, but I'm, I'm going to jump on the opportunity that you just presented to me to share a little bit about the research that we've done at FlexShares on high net worth primary breadwinners. Uh, It was a research study that we conducted in in late 2019. It's really pretty evergreen. We hope to revisit it in the near future. But um, it really illuminated the different wealth management experiences that high net worth primary breadwinners that are women versus men have. And it really breaks down a lot of the stereotypes. It kind of cuts to the, you know, the, the stat that we've all heard a million times that 60% of women will leave their advisors after a divorce or a death of their husband, but not so true if you're the primary earner and you've started that relationship. And it, uh, you know, if you're interested, we'll have a link to it in the show notes, but thank you for yep. helping me promote that work that we've done a while back. That is absolutely interesting because I do think things are, dynamics are changing. I think the idea I saw some historical research of, you know, male, female couple, um, male only breadwinner. You know, I think that's less than 20 percent of households uh, in the country right now um, where the male is the only one working. Um, you know, that's how a lot of the structures, engagement models are set up in the business. And I think um, needing to adjust to that, what's actually really happening in the country is important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, it was so wonderful to have you on the show today, Ryan. Um, for our listeners that are interested in connecting with Ryan or learning more about DocuPace, uh, please visit www.docupace.com or follow the link in the show notes. And Ryan, if it's okay, we'll include a link to your LinkedIn profile as well. Perfect. And uh, we're now about 100 episodes strong. It's hard to believe that. We started this during the pandemic. uh, And we couldn't continue this work without the support of great guests like Ryan and, of course, our listeners. So 
if you or someone you know has some insights that you think would benefit the advisory community, by all means, let us know. We're always seeking new topics to cover from a variety of advisors, industry experts, and others. And you can find my email uh, in the show notes. And I always love to hear from listeners. So thank you for your time, Ryan. Thank you. And look forward to um, sharing this episode. Thank you for listening to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.